I'm Melinda Poitras, and you're listening to He Said, She Said, The One with Books and Bros. I've just been out with my bro-in-law and my sister, driving around drinking hot chocolate and uh, judging people's Christmas light displays. My sister commented on our Starbucks cups. They were plain ones, and they had a sleeve that said tidings of comfort and coffee, I think. And she said, you mean tidings of comfort and dumb because this cup is plain. We came and posted on our Instagram, and I told her that she was being harsh, and she said, I know you need podcast material. I don't think she's not listened to this podcast, so maybe she feels that that's the kind of podcast material I need. Um, and I guess she's right because I shared it. I just wanted something light to start out with. I posted a mirror selfie on November 30th, 2019, and this was the caption. Kayla Ami, she wrote this thing, and when I read it, I did so again. I read it over and over. She wrote the complicated emotions of her little girl had her wailing, I don't want to be so sad. Please don't let me do this to myself. I know about that. I wonder if she's anything like me. Does she sit outside her parents' bedroom door, rocking back and forth all night, straining to hear them breathing? Will she cry for whole weekends? I mean, solid 72-hour periods when they leave her. Will she experience bouts of creativity followed by periods of numbness so thick, colors are dull, and she can barely smell or taste things? Will she want so desperately to go to the party or get out of bed or answer the phone, want those things almost as much as she wants to be left alone? Will she find it easier to speak to crowds of thousands than to walk through those same crowds to get to the exit? Speaking of, will she become fixated on exits? When can she get to them? How quickly? How often? How old will she be when she swallows her fear of driving? And how hard will it be to swallow? How far will she run? How well will she hide? How much will she eat? What amount of pills, prayers, professional help will it take for her to stay present in the life she is given? How hard will she be on herself? As hard as she cries, harder, harder. I hope if her father finds her in a heap at the age of 30, that he reminds her there are some things you can't just get over. If you could, you would have by now, and that's okay. I hope she learns to practice gratitude. I hope she laughs loud and lives long and loves like it's a full-time profession. I hope she celebrates her people and learns to dance when it's not her party and makes tiny steps forward and does the next right thing. I don't hope she grows out of it. I hope she grows up into it and through it and over it. I hope she practices praise. Everything lives where the river runs. I hope she waits in worship. He makes this wonderful life worthwhile. I can't tell her any of this. So I look in the mirror and I tell her instead, you are not doing this to yourself. And there is so much grace for this face. I would have lost heart unless I believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Psalms 27, 13 through 14. I don't know where you're at in your journey with your own mental health. Maybe the words I've just spoken seem foreign to you, or maybe you understood them all too well. Maybe you felt just the way I've described, feel, Just the way I've described, sleep next to someone you know must feel the way I've described. I don't know why we face darkness. I don't know why it lingers. I don't know why it refuses to lift or why sometimes Jesus doesn't make it lift when he could. Here's what I know. 
what I have read in Isaiah 43.2. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. I quoted Joseph King of Dreams to our youth group a couple of weekends ago. I sang, You will wade through the river of sorrows, warm and dry. And angels will light your tomorrows, this I prophesy. I pointed out that the words don't say we'll never be touched by sorrow, but rather promise we will wade through the river of it, warm and dry. Hours later, I remind them Joseph had dreams, how without a doubt, 100%, no question, the Lord had spoken to Joseph. He showed him a bright and beautiful future. I mean, Joseph had heard from God. And what happened immediately after that? Pit, Potiphar's house, prison. And in each instance, Joseph did just what he knew to do, to serve his God and to do his job. No matter how it looks or how dark it gets or how unlikely it seems, it is always God's will that we obey his word. I had read verses in my first message, verses from 2 Corinthians. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set a seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. 2 Corinthians 1, 21 through 22. But verse 20 right before that says this. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Through him, we say, let it be so to the glory of God. I talked about people who just prepared for the outcome that they were promised. I talked about Elijah, who believed that God would supply so much that he was willing to eat a widow's last meal. He believed that God would hear so much that he prayed repeatedly that her little boy would be raised. He believed that God would send fire from heaven so much that he had people dig a trench and pour four large jars of water on the altar, drenching the sacrifice, and then pour four more jars of water on it, and then four more. And fire consumed it. He received the outcome he prepared for, He believed God so much that he saw a cloud the size of a man's fist and outrun a chariot. The outcome he prepared for repeatedly was for God to come through. God had spoken again and again and again, and he prepared for God to do what he said again and again and again. Anything that looked like a cancellation was just a pause. I told them about that, and I told them how God came to a man cowering in a wine press He called him mighty warrior. He commanded him to tear down his father's idols. He commissioned him with the task of fighting in his name. He coddled him through a ridiculous series of fleeces and tests. And Gideon said, I'm the least tribe in the country and we're the least family in the tribe and I'm the least in my family. And God was unmoved. He added a task beyond imagining to the to-do list. And then he immediately subtracted the resources with which to accomplish that task. God tells Gideon to triumph in battle while simultaneously taking his tools. And when Gideon turns to God in bewilderment, the Lord lets him know that it's all good. With the 300 men that lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hands. Go ahead, tell everyone else to go home. And I think, not for the first time, but not often enough, 
maybe it's not about me. Maybe it's not about my resources. Maybe when I look at what he wants me to do, the tools don't matter as much as I think they do. What if I already have whatever I need to triumph? What if whatever he's given me, that's what I need? What if I don't truly need anything more than everything I have? When he first finds him, he says it, the angel of the Lord to Gideon, he calls him mighty warrior. He tells him, this man who is the very least man of the very least family in the very least tribe in his nation, go in the strength you have. Go in the strength you have. And I'm shaken from head to knees when I read it. Am I not sending you? And I realize you can come with your excuses, you can put out your fleeces, you can know all your weaknesses, but though your resources dwindle and your family is not prominent and your faith is not mighty, you are his even so. And if he has sent you, that is all you need to know. So go ahead, Gideon. Go ahead and go. You can go confidently into the place where he calls you right now with the strength that you have, no matter how little that is. And you can do that because... It's not you who does the work, is it? Gideon, with barely enough men to even make a dent, follows the instruction of the Lord. And these people who have never heard of him, the Lord sends a dream to them in the night and they wake up terrified. And as they're waking up terrified and confused, his people, they yell the sword of the Lord and of Gideon and they break some pitchers and the soldiers in the camp they're trying to defeat, they turn on themselves and they tell the tale Later on down the road, this can be nothing other than the sword of Gideon, son of Joash, the Israelite. God has given the Midianites and the whole camp into his hands. It doesn't matter how empty your hands are. God can fill them with whatever he likes, whenever he likes. I tell them that and that's where I run straight out of notes. But I would bought a whole bag full of confetti poppers because... I knew that I needed to tell them about the confetti. So I told them then, like I'll tell you now, how last year I knew that there was something that needed to happen. I had never felt anything more strongly, more specifically, more aggressively in my life to this day. And honestly, hopefully never again. And I had sent a Facebook message and I was supportive either way. And I had said... If it doesn't happen, we'll celebrate. And if it does happen, we'll shoot off confetti. And I meant it, but also, literally, there was only one option in my mind. And so I bought the biggest, most obnoxious confetti that I could find. I mean, like, statement confetti. And I put it in my closet. I prepared for one outcome, the one that I felt like the Lord intended, the one that I really wanted, the one that was worth celebrating. And the more time passed, the more strongly I felt that this thing was a necessity. And the more strongly I felt it, the more doors closed. And not only did the doors close, but more than once the deadbolt slid into place and more than once from more than one side, it's just not going to work out, was uttered from the only lips that even really mattered. And I was miserable. I was miserable. And we're nearing the point in the timeline where I get 
you know, it's the one year anniversary of me getting really good news. But right now we're at the beginning of December and it's the one year anniversary of me being absolutely miserable. It didn't even make any sense, but I couldn't get away from it. And I was living in misery. I was losing my mind. And I told them, my youth group at retreat, that there were people in the room with us who were extremely close to me, who did not even know how I was teetering on the edge of insanity during that time, because I would have looked like an idiot if I had told them, and almost everybody else was over the thing, and I just could not let it go. And uh, then, long after I would have liked him to, but absolutely right on time, the Lord did the thing. Out of the blue, when I genuinely thought it was past possibility, the Lord did the thing and I went and got my confetti out because we needed it. We did need it after all. It's a good thing I bought it. Yes, I was worried. Yes, I was doubtful. Yes, I was discouraged. Yes, I was full of fear. But I knew that I had heard the voice of God. So I prepared for one outcome. It doesn't matter what anyone else says if he says yes. It doesn't matter what anyone else does when he decides to do a thing. Psalm 66, 12. My Amanda sent it to me the other day. It's a companion verse to that verse in Isaiah. And it says, Thou hast caused men to ride over our heads. We went through the fire and through water. But thou broughtest us out into a wealthy place. He will bring you out into a wealthy place. I would go ahead and buy the confetti now. So I perhaps unwisely passed out confetti poppers to a room full of teenagers. And I asked them to go into the closet, get their confetti deep in the recesses of their heart. And then I prayed. I was going to pray for you, but it turns out that someone had a recording of that prayer. We'll put that here instead. Specifically, I thank you, God, that you see my heart and that you know my mind. I thank you, God, that you see every single person in this room. And I thank you for the plans that you have for them. I thank you, God, that they are good. And we're a little young to be doubting the promises of God in our life. But I think that we might be tonight. That maybe circumstances seem uncertain and that life has gotten hard. And that there's so many voices crowding out yours and your word. There's so many other things to look at. And God, I just ask that you would give us focus. I thank you, God, for the things that you are speaking. I thank you, God, for the things that you are saying. I thank you, God, for every promise that is represented in this room. And I praise you because your promises are yes 
and amen. And we say amen to your word tonight. Whatever you have said, we're going to believe it. We're going to believe it when it looks hard. We're going to believe it when it seems impossible. We're going to believe it when circumstances say something else. We're going to choose to cling to your word. And I ask God that you would show us the things that you would have us do. I thank you, God, that you are calling us to do things right now, that you have a will for our lives right now, that you are ordering our steps right now. And God, I just ask that you would order every step continually, that you would make us so sensitive to your spirit and the things that you are speaking. And God, when you tell us to do something, I ask that you would give us the courage to do it. God, give us the courage to do it when we don't know how it's going to work out. I ask God that you would give us the courage to do it no matter what anyone else says, no matter what anyone else thinks. I ask God that you would speak so clearly and that when you speak that we would move. God, make us a people who believe your word. God, make us believe it to the point that we are willing to act on it. And I know, God, that you're going to be with each and every one of us. I know that you're going to be with us every step of the way. And we don't have to be scared about what will happen or if things will work out or not because you are in control and you have an expected end and a future for us. You are writing our stories and we're going to let you do that. We're going to trust you to do it. And when you bring every precious promise to pass, we will give you every bit of the glory and we will give you every bit of the praise. And I thank you for it in advance. God, I thank you for what you're doing. God, I thank you for the words that you have spoken and the way that you are acting on those words behind the scenes right now. I thank you, God, that you are always acting on our behalf. And we trust you. We trust you. And I thank you that it's safe to do that. I thank you that it's safe to do that because you always show up and you always come through and you know what is best. We submit to you tonight. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you have forgotten the precious promises of God, May you remember now. If you don't know what he intends for you or have no promise to hold on to, may he reveal his heart for yours in the coming days. If the darkness gets so thick you cannot walk through it, may his word be the light that pierces a pathway. If you can't see around the corner, may you celebrate victory early, full believing it belongs to you. If your soul is sick, may God send you a psalmist. May you go in the strength you have, May you prepare for one outcome, the one where he comes through. May we all be better together as he makes us to hear joy and gladness. Hmm. You've been listening to He Said, She Said, the one with books and bros. Hopefully something you've heard made you smile, inspired you to think, or called you nearer to a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Thank you for taking time. Thank you for making space. We'll catch you next week. Same time, same place.